Welcome to the Distrust and Disparities podcast, Voices from the Margins of Healthcare. On this podcast, we will explore both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. We will get into how we can overcome this systemic mistreatment, advocate for ourselves, and close the gap on poor health outcomes and disparities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. I'm Margaret Charles Smith. I'm, I'm living in Greene County. I live three thousand five hundred babies in Greene County. <clears throat> I have sometimes four babies a night. In episode 14, we discuss Black midwives and Margaret Charles Smith's story. She was a distinguished Alabama midwife who delivered over 3,500 babies and never lost a single mother during childbirth. And we highlight the National Black Midwives Alliance, an organization that advocates for legislative actions that address disparities in maternal health care that disproportionately impact Black birthing people. Hello, Distrust and Disparities listeners. Thanks for tuning in and coming back and joining your girls. The month of April is recognized in the United States as National Minority Health Month, so it is a month-long initiative to advance health equity across the country on behalf of all racial and ethnic minorities. So additionally, in the month of April, we celebrate Black Maternal Health Week, which this month, it falls on April 11th to April 17th. Black Maternity Health Week, it's a movement started by the amazing organization Black Mamas Matter Alliance, BMMA. And it was started five years ago. Just last year, it was officially recognized by the White House. This year's theme for Black Maternal Health Week is Building for Liberation, Centering Black Mamas, Black Families, and Black Systems of Care. So the theme reflects the organization's work in centering Black women's scholarship, maternity care work, and advocacy across the full spectrum of sexual, maternal, and reproductive health care services programs and initiatives. So they're hosting a week-long events, some virtual, some in-person, and additional, uh, lots of reproductive justice and maternal health organizations are also having events. A lot of them are virtual discussions, panels. So check out our social media so that you can join in the conversation and participate in this movement. I know I'm excited to learn more and just see what other Black women leaders are doing to have a positive impact on the maternal health crisis. So building off Black Mamas Matters theme, we wanted to highlight the important history and impact of Black midwives. And I know for this episode, I learned a lot of new things that I did not know about the history of Black midwives. So... To start off our discussion about Black midwives, here's a little background information. So the practice of midwifery within the African-American community in the United States dates back to the 17th century, and that was when Europeans forcefully enslaved and kidnapped African women skilled in midwifery and brought them to the U.S. And these enslaved women 
drew upon traditional healing knowledge and practices passed down through generations. The typical African midwife was more than just, say, a birth worker or baby catcher. They were seen as spiritual healers, counselors, and they were there to help the mother through all the highs and lows of postpartum, like things of breastfeeding support and even cooking. They were really there and integral as like a key support system for a mother, you know, during their birth and then after their birth, which is so important and what we mm-hmm. can easily recognize and understand. I think even better now people learning about of like support in postpartum is so important. They played a huge role on the plantations taking care of moms. And like you mm-hmm. said, throughout the whole birthing process from becoming pregnant to after and just being able to support them. Because even though they were pregnant, they still had demands and had to work the field and do heavy labor. So just being able to support the mom through this taxing process. Jamira Amani, who is the co-founder of the National Black Midwives Alliance, is quoted as saying birthing was about breeding there was a significant investment from the slave owners to have healthy births and babies so they can keep their property alive. And that was what it was really about. They invest in having midwives because they knew that they were essential in order to, you know, keep slavery going. Basically, this is the sad reality. That's Mm -hmm. all it was about, you know, having more hands to work the field. And in addition to helping birth Black babies, they also were entrusted to help deliver the master's wife's babies as well. And even I was reading if the midwives were really good, they would sometimes have to travel to other nearby plantations, maybe to help out with a difficult birth of both slaves and white masters. If they had like a really good reputation, they had privileges to travel to other plantations to check on other moms as well. So until the late 19th century, the majority of births were attended by midwives, many of whom were Black, Indigenous, or immigrant women. But then in the early 20th century, childbirth became medicalized and physicians really emerged as the primary birth attendants and childbirth moved from the home to the hospital. And with that, of course, with physicians, that meant men and especially white men were Mm -hmm. now in control of a woman's labor and birth proceedings. And I mean, I think that really speaks to then issues that developed because of that, because now you have this man in a role that he's not really prepared for and doesn't really understand and would never understand because he would never be able to have a child. So that was really interesting when medicalization was brought into it because then you're removing the the woman aspect of it that was so important. But midwives delivered about half of all babies in the U.S. in the early 1900s, and this was even higher in Black populations. But Definitely. by 1930, that figure dropped to 15%. You know, we're seeing that shift from midwives being the ones who help deliver babies and and help women go through the labor process. And it's switching over to hospitals and physicians and that whole shift and that whole medicalization of pregnancy. 
Exactly. And we'll discuss later on in this episode more details regarding this shift from midwives being the majority caregiver involved in the birthing process to it becoming a privatized medical procedure with a physician in charge in the hospital. So we'll go over that later in the episode. And just want to point out a few statistics. Currently today, 95% of all U.S. births happen in hospitals and about 33% are surgical births, which include your C-sections. So out of 100 births, only 10 to 12 will be attended by a midwife. And out of those, 9 out of 10 of those midwives are white. Also, most obstetricians, they've never attended or seen a natural birth. That's insane where I feel like that should be a huge part of learning about being an obstetrician. You should know what a Mm -hmm. natural birth looks like. Why is it that you need to have so many drugs and different medical instruments and tools involved when a woman's body is set up for that biologically? I can understand Mm -hmm. intervention when it is necessary, But as we both know, a lot of these interventions aren't necessary and then cause further complications. Yes. And we know the statistics here in the U.S. We are facing a maternity health crisis and Mm -hmm. the crisis is worsening, not improving. The United States is an outlier amongst industrialized nations. Like, I don't want to say third world because if you've seen the meme, the U.S. We are the third world. Yes, with a Gucci belt on, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but the U.S., amongst other industrialized nations, has one of the highest maternal mortality rate. It's higher mm-hmm. than most other high-income countries. Mm-hmm. And the amount of money that we are spending on maternity health does not reflect the outcomes that we have. And then additionally, Black women are three times as likely to die from pregnancy-related causes when compared to white women. Black women, we are extremely affected, but the U.S. as a whole, improving the maternal health outcomes will benefit everyone. In research in this episode, I learned globally, most childbearing women, they're attended to by midwives and they only turn to obstetrician if there are serious complications. So midwives, they'll take care of most low-risk pregnancies. We really need to look at why we have such a low percentage of midwives currently and involving them in this process could be a key and turning around this maternity crisis that we're having in the U.S. So let's jump into this episode. This week, we are going to highlight Margaret Charles Smith's story. She's a Black midwife. Margaret Charles Smith, she was born in 1906 in the rural area of Greene County, Alabama. Unfortunately, right after she was born, her mom died three weeks So she was raised by her grandmother, who was a former slave, on her grandmother's farm. And an interesting story about Margaret Charles Smith, around the age of five, she was asked to stay with her cousin's wife that was pregnant. While the wife was going into labor, 
the husband asked Margaret to stay with his wife while he went to go get the midwife. So before the father and the midwife could return, Smith caught the baby that came early. So they found her with the baby and the mom safe. And so that was an interesting story about how Margaret's career began unofficially as a midwife. Yeah. You could say she had a calling. Definitely. That calling chose her for sure. Margaret only completed the third grade in a one-room rural grammar school. Despite this, she continued to learn by reading and studying on her own. She worked on her grandmother's farm, and she worked on this farm her entire life. In 1949, at the age of 43, Smith obtained a permit from the Greene County Public Health Team to practice midwifery. She became one of the first of Greene County's official midwives. She apprenticed with another local midwife in the area. And that's traditionally how midwives were taught. They would learn from each other how to handle different birthing situations, the techniques and their training. And they also handled many high-risk pregnancies including twins and breech births. And they did all this without medical instruments or drugs. And like we mentioned in our intro, many of those same practices from the days of slavery, they were handed down from generation to generation of how to deliver a healthy baby. And like we discussed, the pre and postnatal care, they also delivered that. After the mom had the baby, they would still come and check on the mom. And they did things like cooking and cleaning for the mom, making sure she properly could breastfeed the baby. It was a holistic approach Mm -hmm. to the job. And being a black midwife in rural Alabama, it was not an easy job. They often had to travel by foot really far to the expecting mom's home. So Smith, she would often have to make her way through fields, wade through water, and she could deliver up to four babies a night. Working in the hospital, can you imagine having to travel, just say, to different hospitals to take care of different patients? It just seems like a lot. It definitely does seem like a lot because, you know, you don't have the convenience of a car or even a bike. You are on foot getting around and going to these homes of women in some of their most vulnerable states, trying to help them deliver a new life into this world. So, yeah. So it just shows the dedication to the midwifery field and helping moms deliver babies, Mm -hmm. because at this time, this is the segregated South. So moms could Even if they wanted to, they could not go into the hospital to give birth. And oftentimes, the moms that she attended to, they were often malnourished and overworked because they had to work on the farms as well. Yeah, so she took care of moms, and these would probably be considered high-risk pregnancies. She also delivered twins, breech babies, and also premature babies. And also, good point to point out, it's just her delivering the baby. Maybe she might have other family members, but she's the only trained person to assist with this birth. 
even in the hospital, we have doctors, we have techs, we have respiratory therapy there, anesthesiologists, so many people are involved. So just Smith by herself, helping the mom deliver babies. I think that is so amazing. And it just shows you have to have a level of skill and passion to do this. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the mom, sometimes they couldn't afford to pay anything at all. And sometimes they would pay in produce. And the most that she would get paid for a birth was 5 to $10 per birth at that time. That's not that much, but no. she truly enjoyed helping people women, and especially in her community, helping rural women that also had to work as well. So in addition to delivering babies, she also was a sharecropper herself and had worked on her grandmother's farm in addition to delivering babies. And one quote from Margaret, she said, you could count on midwives. They took care of everybody, no matter what. And that was published in the Journal of the Medical Association. During her 35-year career, she delivered over 3,500 babies, and she never lost a mother and rarely lost a baby. That's a That's huge accomplishment. A, absolutely. Just one woman alone. But in 1976, Alabama passed a law outlawing midwives. So, what the fuck? But then... <laughs> That's my first thought of like, okay, Alabama. Right. But even with that law passing, Margaret was allowed to continue practicing due to her experience until 1981, which again, I feel like speaks volumes to all that she contributed to Mm -hmm. midwifery that there was a law banning it, but it was like, oh, but no, Margaret's still so good. She can still keep going. And she Mm -hmm. worked in a very rural part of Alabama. Yeah, so she's serving a lot of moms in that area. mm -hmm. And some can barely afford to pay Margaret for the birth or their pain and produce. How are they going to be able to get to a hospital? And sometimes the hospitals, they're segregated. So, Mm -hmm. But then eventually, Margaret and about 150 other black traditional midwives were told that they would be jailed if they continued to work as midwives. Insane. It's completely insane. And we'll explain later why black midwives were pushed and why laws were passed outlawing midwives. But we just wanted to recognize Margaret and her contributions to the field of midwifery and also to her town in Alabama, the amazing Mm -hmm. things that she's done, and then we'll circle back. But in 1983, Margaret Charles Smith became the first Black American to be given the keys to Utah, Alabama, which was her hometown. And in that same year, she was honored at the first Black Women's Health Project in Atlanta, Georgia. Then in 1996, Margaret co-authored a book with Linda Janet Holmes called Listen to Me Good, The Life Story of an Alabama Midwife. And I love so, that title. <laughs> uh, yes. I like Listen yeah. to Me Good is a great mm-hmm. title. <laughs> and so when the book was written, she was believed to be the oldest living, even though she was retired, traditional African-American midwife in Alabama. And she was one of the few who could recount old time birthing ways, which is like so important that her experience and her words and 
her perspective were put down on paper to be remembered so that can continue to be passed on because that's what Mm -hmm. midwifery has been for forever. It was passed down through generations. It's an apprenticeship sort of career where you're learning directly from someone who was already in that field. So I think that's so important that she was able to author a book and get out her story. Mm -hmm. And I believe there was a documentary. Yeah, there was a documentary of her counting birthing stories and the practices that she used to Mm -hmm. deliver babies. And like you said, it's so important that we have this history documented so that we can call upon it and use it. Yeah. And then in... 1997, Smith was the keynote speaker at the New Orleans Rural Health Initiative. And then in 2003, she was honored by the Congressional Black Caucus in Washington, D.C. And in the following year, she was given a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Black Midwife and Healers Conference. So luckily, you know, later on in Margaret's life, when she had retired from midwifery, she was able to be given her flowers, as we say, mm-hmm. because it's so yeah. important to recognize the huge contribution she had to the community of Alabama mothers. Smith put a lot into her life and a lifetime of hard work was not kind to her health because eventually she ended up suffering from uncontrollable hypertension and peripheral vascular disease. But ultimately, she ended up living until she was 98 and she passed away in 2004. Yeah, she lived a long time and she helped a lot of women and delivered over 3,000 babies. But as I was pointing out, she had to also work on the farm to be able to provide for herself, which is the story of so many other Black midwives. They weren't just allowed to be midwives, they also had to work on their family's land as well. It just shows her selflessness and dedication to helping moms and delivering babies into this world. And I'm so glad she was honored for the hard work and dedication throughout her life. I'm going to give you all a little, a brief history lesson of what's happened and how we came to in 1976, Alabama banning midwives. Yes, Camille, your reaction is just like me. I had the same reaction. Why are they banning midwives when they're such a integral part of mm-hmm. the community, especially in the rural South? Because a lot of times moms, they can't afford to pay for a doctor. And even if they wanted to go to the hospitals, the hospitals are segregated. They're not accepting mm-hmm. Black mothers. So you know what I did? I went down the research rabbit hole. So beginning in the early 1900s, so around 1910, 1920, public health care reformers and physicians, they were pushing for the elimination of midwives. So doctors trying to enter the obstetrician field, specifically white men, they accused Black midwives of being unskilled, unsanitary, and having superstitious practices. And then they also, they tried to blame the high mortality rates on the midwives. 
They're basically saying this practice is outdated. We know what we're doing. We're doctors. Birth is a high risk event, so it should be taking care of us. This is the propaganda, the agenda that they're pushing out. But in reality, the largest motivation for moving birth out of the home was for money to monetize hospitals and also money for doctors. Because evidence from several research studies, including government-funded studies, it showed that midwife attending births accounted for few maternal deaths than those attended by general practitioners. So the general practitioners that were entering the OBGYN field, they were poorly trained in birthing techniques. So a report on medical education in America showed that obstetricians were amongst the most poorly trained, which was contributing to the maternal and infant mortality. Obstetrician was not even taught at most medical schools at the time. And my only thought with this is it's because these are men, in particular Mm -hmm. white men, who would have to learn something from women because a man can't magically come up with how birthing works. You don't know. You don't go through the process. So therefore, it makes complete sense that they were poorly trained or just not trained at all because instead of putting aside your male ego and going, here's something that literally has nothing to do with me other than, you know, creating the life, but the life isn't growing inside of you in your uterus. You're not birthing the life. You don't have to breastfeed this new life. Instead of putting that aside and listening to women, you were just like, nah, Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. We got it. We know what we're doing. And then you, like you said, they push their propaganda, their racist propaganda to then say this whole field of midwifery that was dominated by black, indigenous and immigrant women. No, no, no. Get out of here. You're unsanitary. And, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're completely clueless. Like we're men and we got this. We're doctors now and we know what we're Mm -hmm. doing. That completely makes sense. And it's completely frustrating. But again, it's not surprising because, I mean, white men will white men. Right. For years, midwives, women have been involved in the birthing process and they are basically coming in and trying to colonize this field versus listening to Mm -hmm. the people that have been in the room. They've had these techniques passed down from generation to generation because back then men weren't in the rooms when women were giving birth. Oftentimes they weren't the ones taking care and doing things. And now all of a sudden you're pushing in like, oh, we know what was best. And even the field of gynecology, we'll talk about James Marion Sims and his techniques were built off of experimenting on Black women. So here we go again, white men coming in and experimenting on women in general, to perfect or practice their techniques and at the same time accusing the same women who have been doing this for years of primal techniques like we know what we're doing, we're coming in. It's just ridiculous. And it's happened so many times in so many fields. So I was just like reading the history and I was like, this is crazy how they just come in and say, this is unclean, this is unsanitary, we need to take this over versus listening to Black women, Indigenous Mm -hmm. women, and immigrants and learning these techniques and working together Mm -hmm. and improving everything. They don't. They just want to push everybody out. And we know what we're going through. 
So despite the research and the facts and the knowledge, reformers, they still urge midwives to apply for permits and also attend classes where they could learn about safe and sanitary practices. So they couldn't completely eliminate midwives in the South because they played an essential part of care, especially in the rural South, even with delivering both Black and white babies because a lot of times people didn't have access to physicians at that time or in those rural areas. So the black midwives were still there. So they forced them to go to these trainings that were put on by health department nurses who were often white. So these were these white public health nurses, many of whom had far less training and experience with attending birth than the midwives there, but they put on these classes and they were the ones that were in charge of giving these licenses, and then they had to submit to supervision by these public health nurses. They just completely colonizing everything and then doing it so wrongly and lying mm-hmm. about health outcomes. And I remember working in the hospital, I remember transferring to a different unit and somebody with less experience was training me mm-hmm. and just trying to explain that there's different ways to do different things. And they're like, oh no, this is how we do it up here. Like, this is the right way. And it's just like, no, you know, I actually worked on another unit that did a paper and a study that showed that X, Y, and Z way has better outcomes that you can also do it this way. And they not want to listen to you. So, and then also I had another experience being trained by another nurse who was new as well, but she was open to listening to, oh, how'd you do it? Or I was like, oh, we did it this way. Oh, she was like, oh, I never knew you could do that. Oh, thank you for showing me that. You know, it was a collaboration. Like you're new to this unit. You already have like your nursing skills, but let me teach you some new things where things are and how to go. It was two very different (laughs) situations. (laughs) So I can just imagine you've been doing this craft, giving birth, you have these traditions and then somebody coming in and telling you, oh, this is how it's done. This is what you need to do. And if it's in like a condescending way, mm-hmm. having to be trained by somebody who has less experience than you. So the doctors, they continue to push this narrative that the traditional healers weren't as qualified or as educated as physicians or come into the hospital. So more and more women, especially well-off women, especially up north in northern cities, they started to opt for hospital births. Through increased regulations of traditional midwives, including threats of being prosecuted for practicing without a license, many midwives, they had to retire Like Margaret, she was eventually forced into retirement. They were being pushed out. So these new laws and these bans basically contributed to the extinction of traditional Black, Indigenous, and immigrant midwives. Eventually, many states, they stopped certifying direct entry midwives. So there became a new role. It was called the nurse midwife, which is a professionally trained nurse who 
then trains to become specialized in midwifery. So many of the early nurse midwifery programs, they excluded Black women. Mm. So despite a long history of midwifery in the Black community, many of these women, they weren't allowed to enter into these programs to get the formal license. So then they couldn't practice. So the field eventually became dominated by white women. And I could go on a whole tangent how this lined up with the women's rights movement and all this. But at the same time, they're excluding Black women Mm -hmm. from this practice, Black and Indigenous women, people of color. Mm -hmm. So currently, Black women represent less than 5 to 2% of the nation's reported midwives. And currently, there's only 15,000 midwives. That's a small number as well, but 2% of 15,000. That's so few. That's right. so few considering mm-hmm. the size of our country and the fact that midwives should be a part of the birthing experience for people mm-hmm. in America. They should be. So many people I know don't know about midwives. So many people don't mm-hmm. know about doulas. Yeah. And those are things where those are members of our communities that we looked up to that were essential to us bringing new life into this world. Mm-hmm. And midwives, they play such an important role in the community, just bringing new life into their hands, connecting the community and just the generation of knowledge that was passed down from generations to generations. And also just sharing birthing stories. When you mm-hmm. go to the hospital, you're given s- drugs and medications or you have to have surgery where you are not fully active in the birthing process. And even now to this day, it's not called like a birthing experience. Sometimes pregnancy is looked at as an illness. Like you are pointing out to go on maternity leave is considered disability leave is kind of what you're taking. So pregnancy is looked at as a disability, not an experience of where you're welcoming it new life. We're looking at it as a disability. You're not being able to function normally. Mm -hmm. It's it's becoming like something that we have to intervene. And it's part of the reason why so many people are dying at Mm -hmm. this rate. Yeah. And mothers aren't being listened to, but especially, Mm -hmm. you know, Black mothers, Indigenous mothers, women of color, like they're just not being listened to. And that's also how you have so many just in general, birthing people dying. And Mm -hmm. I think this is a good transition for the organization that we wanted to highlight this week that you found, which is the National Black Midwives Alliance, because the work that they do is so important, especially to increase the number of Black midwives in America. The NBMA is a network of Black midwives and Black student midwives. They're allies, supporters, and they all work to help grow the development, preservation, advocacy, and education of Black midwifery in the United States. The National Black Midwives Alliance 
advocacy is a big part of their mission. They want to support Black midwives and also allies that are taking legislative actions that address disparities in maternal health care, disproportionately impacting Black birthing people. So they want to educate us on the history of midwives, also increase the number of Black midwives because that 2% is so sad. Yeah. So sad. We need to bring those numbers and also make sure people have access to Black midwives. They additionally work to raise public awareness that Black midwives not only exist, but then provide services in their communities. They support legislative efforts led by Black midwives and supporters in various states. They advocate and support the development of educational pathways for Black students for black student midwives where I know not too long ago, they had a campaign to raise money to provide scholarships for black student midwives. Mm -hmm. And then they also want to provide member benefits like negotiating group discounts and access to legal advice and representation. So Mm -hmm. they have many objectives, which are so great. And they even have a mentorship program as well. And, These are huge benefits and being able to participate in a mentorship because depending on your state, there's a lot of laws and restrictions surrounding midwives. So that legal advice, knowing what kind of medical insurance you need, what kind of medical malpractice insurance, knowing what is in your scope of practice because there's no standard Nationally, it varies state by state. So you need to know what you can and cannot do because it's so easy to get sued or blamed if something Mm -hmm. goes wrong. So just knowing what you can and can't do. And also I wanted to point out in a lot of states, it's hard. You have to be endorsed by, say, a physician or some they want you to have connections to a hospital. And it's Mm -hmm. hard getting that. So people... A lot of people are not going into midwifery because of so many obstacles and hurdles. So a lot of people are interested in these programs, but they may be discouraged by a lot of obstacles, the legislation that is hindering midwives from practicing independently or also in conjunction with hospitals, OBGYNs, doctor's office. Because here in the U.S., there is a crisis. We don't have enough obstetricians, OBGYNs, doctors. I don't know the number offhand, but it's a significant amount. But if we allow midwives to step in to take care of low-risk pregnancies, to handle some of that, like from conception, from the time the woman has the baby up until giving birth, If we allow them to come in and step in and take some of those burdens, are providers overworked? So is that leading to more intervention, surgical process? I believe midwives, they could play an integral role in our healthcare system. And, you know, we're all about saving money. Sometimes this could be a cost-effective way if we integrate them into our healthcare system. But there's... Some doctors want it, and then other doctors believe there's not enough standards and practices, but why don't we work to develop? But it's this clash, which goes back to the history of how midwives were pushed out and also just the racist roots. So 
the National Black Midwives Alliance, they're working to tackle some of these issues on multiple levels by increasing the awareness for one of Black midwives, helping students go through programs, setting them up for mentorship. So they're doing a lot. This program is definitely needed. And currently, the National Black Midwives Alliance, they're campaigning to make March 14th the National Black Midwives Day. So that is one of their current campaigns that they are working on. And, you know, having a day like that would bring even more awareness to the Mm -hmm. importance of Black midwives. Honestly, midwives, they played a huge part in the Black communities. They were somebody that was trusted by Black families to help deliver their babies and just to care for them and to support them in that role. And honestly, that's a key piece that's missing. I honestly remember going through my maternity rotation. Mind you, it was in Delaware, but I went to a historically Black college, but there was no Black nurse on the maternity floor. And I know in most units in the maternity and the pediatric wards, it's dominated by white women. So if you're looking around and you don't see anybody that looks like you, supports you, understanding your culture. I know listening and hearing the statistics and these horrific birthing stories, it makes you scared. So I appreciate what the National Black Midwives Alliance is doing. And I honestly believe midwives can be a big key in turning around this health crisis if we integrate them into our healthcare system. A big key in just building that trust with the healthcare system. I'm with it. Let's support them. How can we support them, Camille? Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) So like we mentioned, they are campaigning to get Black Midwives Day officially March 14th. So you can sign their petition on change.org. You can become a member of the National Black Midwives Alliance. And it's not just for midwives and students. It's open to anyone who wants to be an ally and supporter of the Alliance. You can, of course, donate to them. Donations and ally membership help support their campaigns, programs, and all their efforts to serve Black midwives and aspiring students. And you can also show your support by following them on their social media and Mm -hmm. even tagging a Black midwife or a Black student midwife and let them know that you appreciate them. So, of course, as always, we will have their information and website in our show notes. And if you follow our social media, you will see posts about them and, you know, share this with people. Educate people about midwives. Mm -hmm. Talk to your friends and family and ask them, what do they know about midwifery? Because unfortunately, a lot of people don't know much. And like you said, it's so important to have them in the future of our healthcare, especially concerning birth. They need mm-hmm. to be in our healthcare system because they are so important and they will help turn around the current crisis we are in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you learned something new about the role of Black midwives and that this episode inspires you to join in on the conversation and the movement about Black maternal health and justice. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss, share your own personal story, 
or shout out an organization or individual, please email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and Twitter at Distrust Pod. Thank you.